Yes. Yeah. Hello and welcome to our second, or it's actually the third episode of third. our podcast. We already did two episodes, uh, which was one and or it was about uh, roasting, but it was yeah. part one and two. And today we are going to talk with Anders Fettheim. Hello, everybody. Who are you? I am, uh, so I work with sales yeah. and I work with uh, customer support, which is uh, kind of the biggest part of my job, I think. I'm yeah. uh, traveling to visit all of our customers and make sure they are happy with our service and with the coffee and making sure they're extracting their coffee well and, and uh, they're doing their IK routines. So Yeah, so you work for our company. Yeah, <laughs> I work here. But before you came to us, you used to run a coffee shop. Yeah, I used to run a place in Voss, so the western part of Norway. Yeah. So we were there for three years and we used your coffee. Yes. Our coffee now. Fantastic. Mm. So that's why I wanted to invite you to this episode, because on this episode we're going to talk about espresso and uh, why it's almost always quite disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you're a customer and you walk into a store, or if you have a machine at home, uh, and you make yourself an espresso, normally uh, it could have been better. Yeah, definitely. Uh, of course that's the case with all coffees, and, uh, but I feel like when you're brewing a V60 brew or filter brew and you're kind of hitting a good extraction, yeah. there's only that much you can do to actually improve it. Yeah, and it's a lot less, uh, lot less thinking that goes into it, so yeah. it's quite simple if you get the grind size right. Usually like the brewer is set up to give you two liters of water yeah. and a certain temperature and then if you get your grind size right it probably tastes pretty good. Yes. Yeah. But uh, espresso is a whole other animal and uh, a lot of people are afraid to talk about espresso. Um, we are not <laughs> 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 because there's a lot to talk about and I'm not saying that we are making the perfect espresso because uh, I think it's uh, pretty difficult to, to, even, to even get there because it's uh, quite a limiting system. Mm. Um, it's kind of a closed brewing environment, so you can't really go in and, and midway and, yeah. and manipulate it. Like everything relies on your preparation. Yeah. That means machine setup, grinder setup, puck prep, tamping. You need to think about every step and you need to do it correctly or yeah. you need to... <laughs> so I wanted to go through this quite systematically and, uh, and like talk about the green coffee, roasting and everything, but just uh, out of the, before we start, getting into it, what's the most common thing you see when you're visiting some of our customers? What's the kind of biggest mistake that they're doing? Usually their, uh, their shots are really short. Yeah. So either both the dose is wrong uh, and usually their grinder is set pretty coarse. So they're under extracting espresso a lot. Yeah. Time is not really, we use time to kind of um, as a day to day, we can see if the time's correct. Then yeah. Uh, we know we're in within the zone, but um, it doesn't really. Time doesn't measure extraction, so a no. lot of people don't actually know how their extractions are, if they're high or if they're low. Yeah. Usually, they're all low. But yeah. um, quality control and being able to tell the difference between like just adjusting your grinder, yeah. is something people don't really know about. It's actually in my experience as well is that most cases when I drink espresso, it's under extracted, yeah. which means it's sour. Uh, and uh, people tend to compensate for that in many different ways. But uh, I very rarely get uh, an espresso where I feel like, hmm, this is too extracted. Like, yeah. I, I can't even think about, well, maybe once I went to, 
to a fair uh, last year in Berlin, mm. and Scott Rowell served me a, yeah. what he said was a 27% extraction. I'm not sure it was that high, but it was yeah. tasting a little cellulose as well. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> extracted things you don't want to extract. Yeah, but it was interesting, and, and to get there uh, is kind of difficult. We're not gonna get into all the really nerdy things, like there's a lot of people who put paper filters on top of their puck and um, below, and. Mm. You know, you can spray your puck prior to extraction and so on. We're not going to get that geeky in this episode. We're going to go through more of the basic stuff that we feel uh, still is uh, knowledge that a lot of people need um, yeah. to make a good espresso. So let's just start with the green coffee. And uh, I guess I am the one who will talk most about this because I'm the one who buys green coffee for our company. Yeah. And I'm also the one who meets a lot of green coffee buyers. Uh, whether it's here in the building where we have Nordic approach in our third and fourth floor, mm. or uh, when I'm out in, for instance, in Kenya, I would meet other coffee buyers. And a very common comment that we get is, uh, this coffee would work well for espresso, <laughs> uh, but there's no reasoning behind it. No. And also, uh, I do see a lot of people who uh, buy lower quality coffees for their espresso yeah. uh, because they make blends or something and then they want like a base coffee that is cheaper and then they will put something extra on just to spice it up a little bit. Mm. For me this is uh, the total, totally opposite of what I think about when it comes to espresso. When I, when I buy coffee, um, every coffee that is good will work for espresso. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's high in acidity or whatever. It doesn't really matter. If it's a high quality coffee, of course it will work well for espresso. Mm. Because um, you're basically extracting uh, quite a lot, if you can, uh, with the espresso. And it's also very concentrated. So if you have a, you know, a mediocre coffee, but it's very concentrated, you're going to get a concentrate of very mediocre stuff. Yeah. Um, so many, many years ago, when we used to blend, uh, and we stopped blending because we felt that the coffees we were buying were good enough on their own. And uh, I realized, you know, looking for coffees that had kind of less sweetness or less acidity was, was normally what people were looking for, mm. um, didn't necessarily give us a good espresso. No. And you could see it when we started to measure extraction that lower quality coffees also didn't extract well. Yeah. So. For me, at least, if you want to have a good espresso, of course you need to have good green coffee. Yeah, <laughs> there's this, uh, I feel like there's this, uh, uh, people think that there's this magic to brewing devices, or if you brew on an AeroPress, it'll taste like this, or if you brew on uh, a Wilfer brewer, it'll taste like this, but it doesn't really matter. It's water and coffee, and yeah. you need to think about the quality of the coffee instead of thinking that the brewer will add some magic flavoring to Yeah, to I your completely brew. agree. Yeah. And then let's just uh, rule out the, the kind of espresso. It's not a flavor. Like yeah. espresso is a preparation method. It, mm. And uh, the drink you get is normally quite uh, concentrated because we prefer to do it that way. Yeah. But you can also make less concentrated espresso. Mm, definitely. Um, so it's a brewing method. And, and uh, I feel like uh, a very more often than not, uh, the limiting factor in, in a sh shot of espresso that is served mm. is the quality of the green coffee. Yeah, um, definitely. And that's why it doesn't taste good. Mm. And if you, if you kind of, as a roaster, sometimes, well, I hear this from other roasters as well, and I, I had that mentality before as well. Like, if you start to get a coffee that is slightly woody or something, just put it into the espresso blend. <laughs> well, your espresso is just going to taste horrible. Yeah. 
So uh, that's a bad idea if you want to have the best cup of espresso. It's okay, of course, to have blends where you kind of get rid of uh, mediocre coffees if that's mm. your business. But uh, I think uh, being honest about it is uh, better than trying to hide it in yeah. something that's magic. And as you say, you're, con you're brewing a concentrated coffee. So if your coffee is bad, you're just going to concentrate <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, on for that sure. bad flavor. So when I buy green coffee, um, you know, we use we use a lot of our Kenyan coffee as espresso, and mm. um, it's fantastic. Uh, you can buy, for instance, in Kenya, you can buy the bigger beans double A, and you can buy ABs, which mm. is the same batch of coffee. It's just a smaller screen size, and sometimes the ABs can kind of work better as espresso. And I'm saying work with a with a with a little uh, irony here, but it can have a little bit less acidity. And uh, because a lot of people under-extract espresso, mm. that might be a preferable thing. Yeah. But if you extract well, there's no reason why you shouldn't buy the highest acidity, uh, because uh, it just adds complexity, I think, to the coffee. All right. Then you have the roasting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is also... Which I don't do. <laughs> it's uh, also related to, uh, to, to another thing we're going to talk about, and that's the VST filters. Um, but let's just start with the... You know, roasting is also a big part of why espresso doesn't taste good. And yeah. you know, uh, darker roast is normally what uh, everyone does. Yeah, and it's the same. I think it's trying to kind of uh, hide any acidity because you're already under extracting, so it tastes sour. Yeah, and acidity is pleasant, but sourness is bad. So people try to hide whatever acidity is there because they're so scared of uh, their espresso being sour. Yeah, and if they started measuring. As, uh, as you did, you start measuring your, your extraction, you see that you need to extract more, and then all of a sudden you have all this pleasant sweetness. Yeah. Uh, if you roast correctly, or correctly is kind of the wrong word, but... Uh, yeah, if, it, if you yeah. don't kind of uh, have any roast defects, uh, yeah, that's uh, you can say like that. But, um, I mean, we used to roast extremely dark mm. for espresso, even though our filter coffees were very light. Um, when I started roasting, my roast profiles for espresso were 20 minutes. <laughs> and that was in 2003. Yeah. Um, and it had to be a blend because that's what I was told, you know. Um, but today our espresso roasts aren't really that much different from our filter roasts. It's probably 10 to 20 seconds longer in the roaster. Mm. And we just take it to a slightly darker color than we do with our filter coffees. And the reason for that is we, we do feel that we have the need to kind of polish away some of the highest acidity, mm. but without getting too much of these kind of roasty notes. Yeah. So we have actually gone faster and faster on our roasting, and we also changed machines, so we have a more efficient roaster now. Yeah. So our roast profiles now are you know, between 10 and 11 minutes on an espresso roast, typically. Yeah. Um, and we're roasting on a hot air roaster, a Loring. Um, and uh, color track wise, uh, for instance, if our filter coffee uh, is on a color track 49 to 50, this is very technical. The people who have color track will know. Yeah. Uh, if our filter is 49 to 50, our espresso would probably be 52 to 53. So mm. it's marginally darker. Yeah. Um, but when you cup it, it's not like it tastes, you know, it overly roasted. No, I just came from a cupping now and I really like to put the the espresso roasts on the table as well. Yeah. Because people th seem to think that uh, espresso should be something super dark. 
and um, we put them on the table and tasted them blind and then we tasted the espresso they were using now yeah uh, which is was a really dark espresso and they said well of course this tastes uh, not as good now because this is meant for espresso yeah <laughs> and then <laughs> they tasted ours so it was a clear example of what you were just saying that uh, you know people have a like they're thinking about the brewing as something that will add flavor or change the way it tastes but yeah you know yeah it doesn't really also i think uh if you are not so keen on bitterness like i am mm. uh roasting a lot darker for espresso is maybe not the best idea no and i the reason why we used to roast very dark is what you said in the beginning is uh we were under extracting and uh, this was uh, a period i think it was uh, around 2000 uh, 11 or something or maybe slightly later where the vst filters came in the market vst filter baskets for espresso machines are made much more precise than what they used to be done mm. so the filter basket is kind of the metal cup where you put the coffee in yeah and uh, the old ones we used were the holes in the bottom there were kind of made with a nail and a hammer yeah. like that kind of technology Whereas now, I think they're laser etched or something like that. Yeah, it's a laser machine that cuts them out. And the holes are much more precisely made. And uh, that meant we could use less coffee. Mm. We could grind finer without the holes being clogged. And we could extract more. Yeah. And of course, when we switched to the VST filters, the coffees tasted horrible. Mm. And I, I, I sent an email to Vince, who had kind of developed these filters. And I said, you know, these filters are just bullshit because <laughs> they make our espresso taste horrible. Yeah. Um, and then he said, you know, just try it out, maybe try it with uh, some of our filter coffees. Uh, and he said, use less coffee, grind finer, mm. you know, extract more. And then we started measuring extraction and I realized on our old filters we couldn't extract more than 17%. Yeah. Which meant we always got sour coffee. And uh, to compensate for that we were roasting darker. Mm. So when we were easily able to extract, you know, 22 percent with the with the VST filters, I realized, hey, maybe we can do the opposite: put the VST filters in and start roasting lighter. Yeah. And then after a while, our espresso started to taste, you know, more like our filter coffees. We could mm. actually taste the fruit in the Kenyan coffees. We could taste the floral fl florality in the Ethiopian coffees and yeah. so on. Whereas before, it would just taste like espresso, like yeah. burnt. Tar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bitter. Yeah. And I think uh, another argument is uh, when we started roasting lighter, uh, I heard from some of our coffee shop customers that um, when they made lattes with our espresso, the lattes didn't taste enough coffee. And then we kind of tested it with a dark roast and a lighter roast. And sure enough, it didn't taste burnt and bitter, mm. but it tasted of coffee. Yeah. Uh, for sure. But it, it didn't kind of cut through milk, like people say, with the bitter burnt flavors. Yeah. So we just solved that problem by making the latte smaller. Mm. I mean, that's how you make it. It's 90% yeah. milk. So if you have 70% milk instead, yeah. then of course you're going to taste it more coffee. Taste, taste it more. So, um, uh, you know, there's no reason why a latte should be half a liter. It, no. it can be smaller. And uh, it's actually uh, tasting better, I think, with a be better roasted coffee. Mm. We just uh, we saw this, and uh, I was in San Francisco just before Christmas, and we were quite me and you had some discussions on what sizes we should be serving there, 
and we thought that we would have to go for really big lattes and since that's the standard but when we made the coffee there and they tasted like with our espresso and tasted the latte smaller they were convinced yeah. right away yeah and uh, they've got really good feedback from the customers as well it doesn't really need to be that giant cup no you want something that tastes balanced and i think when you're using something dark roast that tastes bitter you want a lot of milk to hide that bitter. yeah for sure yeah that's the starbucks model yeah and when you have good coffee you want less milk because I think that milk is usually when you, when people are adding milk, it's usually because they're used to the coffee being bitter, yeah, and they want to mask that flavor. It's the same with people put cheese in their coffee or people put butter in their coffee. Yeah, it's usually just to hide bitterness yeah. and unpleasant flavors. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so think about your latte size. I mean, it's better to sell two lattes that taste fantastic than one big gulp that yeah. you know makes you feel sick and. <laughs> you're spending less money on milk, so you can spend more money on good quality coffee. Yeah. Let's continue a little bit with the VST filters, because I think that's, at least for me, that was quite an exciting time when they came to the market. Mm. Not only were we able to extract higher, which meant sweeter espresso, it changed our roasting, but we also actually started measuring extraction. And that's when I realized, you know, wherever I went, like you said, to visit customers, everyone was under-extracting. Yeah. And to get to a higher point uh, in extraction was not necessarily only the filter basket. So just by changing the filter basket, sometimes it would work. Like for instance, I had a customer who called me and complained that my coffee was sour. Mm. And I said, well, we're using the coffee in our bar every day, so we know it's not sour. Uh, let me come and check your machine. And he said, oh, there's no point because I just got a new machine. Yeah. And the machine's really expensive. Everything works <laughs> fine. Um, and what he had, I came up there and uh, what he had done was to, he had bought a new, it was like a Ranchilio Silvia machine, mm. which is a very nice machine, a home machine. But he had taken the old portafilter from the old machine and put in the new, new um, uh, machine. And he said it had to be the coffee because the machine was new and everything was new. Um, so it couldn't be the machine. And then I just changed the filter baskets and all mm. of a sudden the coffee tasted amazing. Yeah. And we measured the extraction on those and the old filter basket was extracting around 15%. Yeah. And the new one was <laughs> extracting much, much higher. So, you know, filter baskets have hole in them, holes in them and they actually get bigger and bigger over time. Yeah. Because there's a lot of acids in the coffee who kind of corrode yeah. the metal. You will see this, that you'd have to change them I think most people change maybe once a year. Yeah. Or most people should change once a year. Yeah, I think it depends on how much coffee you yeah. brew, but uh, it's a good routine to actually at least check your extraction yeah. every now and then mm. to see if your extraction is down. Uh, but speaking of extraction and filters and everything, we have to kind of look at espresso as a system because we, I know that you have had some experience, for instance, with an old Linnea. Can you explain? Yeah, um, so you can, if you have a Linea and a, for instance a Linea PB next yeah. to each other and you just press the button without the port to filter in, you'll see something right away and that's the water flow is totally different. Yeah, so we're talking about two Lamar Zocco machines. Yeah. One old model and one new model. Yeah. Yeah, so the um, Linea old model has an extreme water flow if you haven't installed a jiggler. Yeah, so you can reduce the water flow by putting, as you say, a jiggler inside um, the tubes, but um, you'll see on older machines that the water flow is so quick and that makes it really hard to, uh, if you have the standard setup, 
you have the standard grinder and everything and you just press play, you'll get way too short extractions. Yeah. And low, low extractions. Low extractions. So and sour coffees. Yeah. So standard setup would be, you know, typically, let's say 92 degrees uh, brewing water, mm. uh, about nine bar pressure, yeah. brewing pressure. Uh, and then let's say 25 to 30 second extraction time. Yeah. And uh, w whatever grinder you work with that before we start talking about grinders. But yeah. uh, <laughs> um, uh, what, what can it do in order to increase the extraction and w if that is the case? Yeah, sometimes it really helps with uh, older machines to, to go down in pressure. So reducing the pressure also gives you a slower flow rate. Yeah. So that can help. Um, but grinder adjustment is also, of course, key to, to grind fine enough and yeah. get a slower flow. Um, I remember we set up a, an old Linnea at one of our customers that's very close by and we, were, we, we couldn't hit a high extraction. We, mm. we worked on the grinder, we changed different coffees, could not get a high extraction. And then I remember that, you know, maybe this machine doesn't have a jiggler, so I checked the flow, flow rate of the water coming out of the group and it was this kind of extremely yeah. high. So by slowly decreasing the pressure, I think we went down to like four or five bars. Yeah. That's all of a sudden when we hit an extremely high extraction compared to like 15, 13% when it was nine bars. So mm. nine bars, hmm, not always. It's just uh, if you ask someone, why, why should it be nine bars? Because that's the green spot yeah. on the measure. And I'm not sure who's, who's been saying nine bars is correct, but that's kind of the, the standard. When you get a machine, it's set to nine bars. Yeah. But you can play around and it's, it's, again, it's just coffee and water. So you need to think about the entire brewing process, not just like nine bars being magic and yeah. 15 kilos tamp being magic. It's about the entire process and it's a system. Yeah. And you need to think about extraction and not myths. Exactly, yeah. you, need, you need to think about extraction in terms of a number. So you need to measure extraction. Yeah. And my recommendation is to try to get it as high as possible. Mm. That's normally difficult. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, of course, taste the coffee. Uh, but it's very difficult to taste uh, coffees if you don't have any reference points. So if you're not measuring extraction and you're constantly trying to adjust, let's say you have this old linea and you're constantly brewing between 14 and 16% extraction. Yeah. Maybe you will prefer 15% extraction for whatever reason, but it's not as good as it could have been. No. And you wouldn't know if you're not measuring extraction where you kind of are in the ballpark. Mm. So in order to kind of get at least a reference point, you need to start measuring extraction uh, on this. And let's, let's talk about uh, something else that can, um, can uh, affect extraction, except from the brewing pressure, which, you know, you have pressure profiling machines and all these kind of things. Yeah. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, if if I if I am on a let's say I'm on a, a fair or ex exposition or something making coffee, and I have a machine that where you can play with the pressure, and my grinder is not optimal, my mm -hmm. extractions are a little bit low. That's when I would probably play with pre-infusion. Yeah, I would uh, do a little pre-infusion with low pressure, and then uh, start to brewing normally that could help you increase the extraction. Yeah. But uh, I haven't really found any kind of magic profile that made my espressos, you know, 10 times better just because I 
decrease the pressure at the end or whatever. Yeah. Um, and if you measure these things, you usually see that you're just increasing or decreasing extraction. Yeah. And um, for for me, when I'm visiting customers, at least that's wholesale. I mean, as a private in your home, you can play around and you can have a lot of fun. But when you're serving customers, it's uh, you know it should be your goal to serve something good every time. Consistent. Yeah. yeah. So it should be very consistent, and you don't want to be like come into a coffee shop and see is it team working or is it Andas? Because yeah. if if it's Andas, I don't want to have the espresso. Yeah. It should be the same every time, and you should be able to reproduce your results. Yeah. That's a good barista to me. So our pressure profiling is uh, all the baristas have the pressure of making the best possible espresso. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's our pressure. But um, uh, just to sum up the pressure, like what pressure is ideal? Well, it really depends on your grinder, your coffee, mm. your filter baskets, your water quality. It yeah. depends on so many factors and the water flow in the machine. So I recommend normally starting, you know, adjust your grinder so that you get, let's say you use a VST filter basket, you have, you know, any type of grinder almost, uh, and a good coffee that you know can extract well and that tastes good. Just set the brewing to be around 30 seconds, mm. or the grind size to be around 30 seconds, and then play with the pressure. Like maybe you start at nine bars, and then slowly reduce and see if that increases extraction. Yeah. If it increases a little bit, great. And then if it all of a sudden starts to decrease, that means you go back yeah. to where you were. Or you can start the opposite, start on four bars and, and go start yeah. uh, increasing the, the pressure. And then once it kind of hit, hits peak extraction, that's where you want to be, yeah. around there. And that's the best uh, way to do it, I think. And, uh, ev I find that every machine is slightly different. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, the gauge that reads the pressure is not necessarily the same. No. Um, so it, the number is not important as long as you kind of find where it should be on your machine and then take a note where it should be yeah. because the pressure can fluctuate depending on the in pressure, the inline pressure mm. on the water. So for instance, if you have an ice cube machine, a washing machine, an espresso machine, a water boiler connected to the same yeah. water line, uh, and then all of a sudden all the machines use the same water at the same time. Yeah, you'll definitely notice. You'll have a drop in pressure Yeah, and very sour espresso. All right, let's uh, talk about the grinders for a little bit. Mm. Um, because uh, you've worked with uh, quite a lot of grinders as well. Yeah, been through uh, quite a long list. Yeah, that's also one of the things, the first things that I started testing in my career was yeah. actually grinders. Uh, of course, in the old days, we had grinders that were would pre-dose mm. coffee, uh, or pre-grind coffee. Pre-grind, and then you and then you would dose by dragging a handle once or twice. Yeah. Uh, today we are talking about, you know, direct grinding into portafilters. Yeah. We're discussing is flat burr better than conical burrs, mm. which flat burr is better? Yeah. And so on. Um, what's your experience like? Uh, so. Often you see that grinder is key to getting a high extraction and a lot of grinders aren't actually able to produce or it's very hard at least to produce high enough extractions. Yeah. Um, so we have a few grinders that we recommend to our customers when they want to get something. Um, and for us it's, it's more about, as you say, being consistent and to be able to, to produce a high extraction. Yeah. 
Um, you're also seeing you're seeing new grinders now coming out with grind by weight, which yeah. I think is great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, we recommend everyone to measure every shot. So when you grind, just grind into the portafilter, weigh that portafilter, and see how much coffee you have. Yeah. Because even though you have the most expensive matzar, and it has a really good timer, the coffee beans aren't all the same. So no. it'll grind a different dose every time. Yeah. And if you, when when you start weighing, you think, why haven't I done this before? Because yeah. it's so different every time. Yeah. And uh, talking about dose, like. Uh, of course, if you're making a V60 and if it's 59.8 grams or 61 grams, yeah. it doesn't have a huge impact. No. Because you're not brewing under pressure and uh, you know, it would just add slightly more or slightly less coffee to the yeah. brew. But with espresso, not only do you have slightly more or less coffee, but you also have a s different resistance in the puck yeah. if you have more coffee or less coffee. So it has a bigger impact in espresso than in filter brewing, I think, because yeah. of that. And of course, it's uh, not a lot of water, so in percentage, mm. uh, you get a big difference in, in coffee. Yeah. But um, let's talk a little bit about uh, what can happen with some grinders, because I have, a, or we have a, some high commercial grinders in our store, yeah. and we have to change burrs on them, you know, every five, six months. Yeah. And sometimes uh, we get burrs that doesn't work. Yeah, which is <laughs> great. It's quite frustrating, yeah. uh, which means when I change the burrs from old to new, uh, the extraction will drop immediately to you know, 15, 16%. Yeah. And I'm not able to get uh, an extraction above 18%. Mm. The burrs look exactly, you know, the, exactly same. the same and so on. Uh, and I kind of uh, have uh, asked the manufacturer what's the reason behind it and, and uh, we have gotten some answers but um, uh, I, I do get this quite a lot when I am out with customers. Um, when I see that the extraction is low and the espresso is tasting sour, it's normally the grinder that's the problem. Yeah. And it might be old burrs mm -hmm. that's never been changed. It might be that the burrs are not working well. It might be that the grinder burrs are not aligned well, mm. which is more rare than, uh, than I feel it's more common. Uh, like I'm normally when yeah. I change the burrs, I'm able to extract quite well. Yeah. Can also be like these kind of anti-static grids on these the grinders. Grids, yeah, we often cut the grid, uh, especially on like um, smaller flat burr grinders. Yeah. If you have a Mayu or something like that, you can see that you get a, when you adjust finer to get a higher extraction, you see that you start getting a lot of clumps. Yeah. So, um, so clumping, can you just explain what that is? Yeah, so when, when you go finer, you'll see that some of the coffee kind of forms small clumps in, uh, in the portafilter. Yeah. And usually this is because you grind really fine, and then this coffee is pressed through this grid. And there's a lot of, um, this creates these small clumps because it's actually just pressed together. Yeah. And when you're tamping, you can't really tamp away these clumps, they'll stay in there. Yeah. And then that means that you don't have water entering a big, big uh, part of the coffee. Yeah. That will be dry yeah. until probably almost the end of the extraction. So that means you're just extracting some of the coffee and it's going to taste pretty sour. Yeah, you get channeling uh, for sure. Yeah, a lot of channeling. So what we usually do is that we start taking away a few of these um, wires yeah. 
So we just cut cut one off and see if it helps on the clumping because they're they're there to prevent static. Yeah. And um, there's also usually like a bigger grid on top of the funnel. So that's so you can't really go into the funnel. Yeah, it's like it. a finger protecting. Yeah. That's at least on the mothers. There's yeah. a video out uh, that I know Chris Baca uh, mm. have uh, made about cutting away these wires. And if you're not if you don't understand what we're talking about, it's kind of a, a wire mesh in front of the the shoot the shoot or, or where the coffee uh, kind of gets out of the grinder. Yeah, uh, it kind of breaks or uh, breaks down the um, the coffee into smaller clumps or mm. and uh, prevents it from kind of spraying out into the room or yeah. in your grinding uh, funnel. So those are the ones uh, you you. Sh you can uh, experiment with, you know, hacking or modifying a little bit. Yeah. And I, I do find, that especially on the flat burr, like you said, the smaller flat burr grinders, like if you have a Linea Mini uh, home machine with, a, with the grinders that they kind of sell with those from Mother, the Mother mm. Minis, yeah. very, very often you get clumps, yeah. especially with lighter roasts. Uh, and uh, it helps to, you know, cut one of those uh, threads one at a time, don't do all of it yeah. at the same time. And then you'll, you'll see an in increase in extraction immediately. Almost. Yeah, definitely. And you can, you can feel like you can tell by just looking at the coffee as well. You see that there's less clumping going on. Yeah. All right, it's already 30 minutes, but let's uh, continue in our ne next uh, part. I think we're going to do two parts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can talk a little bit more about grinders, and we're also going to talk about uh, how we serve espresso, a little bit about puck prepping and tamping. And, uh, and how so to on. serve it in one yeah. cups? Yes. Mm. So thanks for listening. Uh, thank you, Anders. You'll be joining us in the next episode as well. Mm. And hope you enjoyed this one. Um, I will see if we can put some uh, links out somewhere on our Podbean page yeah. for the Chris Baca video that we just mentioned. Thanks for listening. Ciao, ciao.